If you're watching this online, and I know there's probably a thousand or more people doing that right now, I'm sure the first thing you're wondering is, is how many crazy people are in that gym with me and Lee and, and uh, Andrew and the worshiping. There's about a hundred of us here. So congratulations to the hundred souls that braved the storm. Amen. Amen. And uh, welcome to Northwest Arkansas. It used to be like this in the winter and we've gotten used to the last five or six years Basically, no winter, but uh, it's back, and it's back with a, a vengeance. I actually love it. Uh, um, I, I'm going to embarrass somebody. I saw Ryan Rayner for the first time here in like a year, and uh, Brent said it was because he has a four-wheel drive truck, and it's the first time he's got a chance to use it. So welcome back, Ryan family. So this morning, we're going to focus on some of the ways New Ice Church is actively engaged in loving people in tangible ways as an expression of God's love for them and also as an expression of our love for God. Jesus said that the two most important things that God asks of us as Christ followers are to love God passionately, the first commandment, and to love people tangibly, in tangible ways. He goes even further on several occasions and says that when we sacrificially give our resources, our time, our talents, our possessions, and our influence to bless other people in need in his name, that he considers it an act of worship and an expression of love to him as well as to them. So as we all hopefully, and I hopefully you are beginning to move out of this mindset of isolation and self-absorption that was brought about a lot of mental illness and problems with most of us and high anxiety levels as we move out of this pandemic by the grace of God, some of you may need a jump start back into this very Christian, biblical Jesus concept of simply serving other people in tangible ways so that you and your church can, as Jesus admonished us to, reflect the glory and the character of the one who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. So let's just look at, there's a whole bunch of teachings that I could have turned to, and I've picked just one. It's one you're very familiar with. Let's look at one teaching in that regard. It's Luke 10, 25 through 37. If you have a Bible, turn there or you can look on the screen, or if you have a Bible app, of course, you can look on your phone. Most people refer to this, I've heard it since I was a little kid, as the parable or the story of the Good Samaritan. I would rename it for this morning and call it the parable or the story of the sacrificial Samaritan. We're going to see that the hero of the story makes sacrifices to do good to help someone else. So let's look at this story that most of us are familiar with again. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. This is a Jewish religious lawyer, an educated man. He says, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What's written in the law? Jesus often answers a question with a question. How do you read it? He answered accurately, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, the first commandment. And then he sums up a whole bunch of other commandments and says, love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus basically says, A plus answer. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you'll live eternally. 
But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, now this isn't a, I'm gonna trap you Jesus question. He's trying to make himself feel okay. All of us do this. And he says, well, who is my neighbor anyway? Jesus replies with a story. A man, and by the way, we assume it was a Jewish man that was beaten and left by the side of the road, but we don't know that. Jesus purposely doesn't tell us the ethnicity of the man that's been beaten, but likely it was a Jew. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Literally, I've been told that is down, about 2,000 foot drop in elevation over those miles from Jerusalem to Jericho. And it's a very, at least in the first century, a treacherous journey because robbers lived in caves along this road and hid in the woods and oftentimes attacked people. And they did this man. He was attacked by robbers, stripped of his clothes, beaten and left half dead, the scripture says. Luke records, a priest happened to be going down the same road. So a Jewish religious leader passes by and just kind of looks over there at him and hurries on by, passes by on the other side. A Levite, another Jewish religious leader, came to the same place, saw him. He shifts sides of the road and gets away from him too. But a Samaritan, somebody that the Jews hated. And I don't know if Jesus were telling this story in the 21st century in Fayetteville, Arkansas, he wouldn't say a Samaritan for sure because we don't even know what a Samaritan is except from the Bible. He would probably say a Muslim or someone that we wouldn't think he would pick as the hero of the story because a Samaritan did not represent to the Jews or probably even to Jesus based on another conversation he has later or earlier with a woman at a well as worshiping the one true God in the right way. But this guy, he's going to make a hero because he does what's right in this circumstance. This Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. The antiseptic, I guess, of that day. That cost him money. Then he put the man on his donkey. And it's going to cost him time now. And he's going to take him to an inn. And, and he begins to take care of him himself and nurse him. The next day, he stays overnight. Again, a sacrifice of time and money to pay for the room in the inn. He took out two denarii and he gave it to the innkeeper. More money for future stay and for future care. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Jesus asked the duh question. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in Rolf was, well, the one who had mercy on him, obviously. And Jesus told him very simply, you ask a question about eternal life, you follow it up with another question about who's my neighbor and how should I minister to people tangibly? And Jesus says, okay, I just gave you an example. You go and do likewise. And obviously that's a teaching for us today. This is not some difficult theological principle. This, you don't have to go back into Daniel and try to collate it with revelation. You go and do likewise. Meet the tangible needs of people. Go help people in tangible ways. Those in need are those treated unjustly. So the question on the table this morning, that was a story of an individual that encountered a need, sacrificed time and resources to help someone. How do churches like New Heights 
provide structures to help people in tangible ways as Jesus clearly taught. Well, I'm going to, this morning I'm going to parade about seven or eight more people across the stage to tell you quick stories. And it's going to be a fire hose type talk. And I want you to just capture some of where your resources are going and how we try to obey and take seriously this command of Jesus in the Bible to meet the tangible needs of people. So I'm going to start with a big project that's happening on our land over the next few years. New Heights was anonymously given 40 acres of land on Weddington about 12 years ago, and we bought five more acres a few years later at a fire sale at a very cheap price. The last nine years, we've allowed another nonprofit to form a portion of the land, and much of the produce was donated to local organizations focused on alleviating hunger and food insecurity in Northwest Arkansas. In 2020, New Heights collaborated with Strategic Realty, the Endeavor Foundation, now called Accelerate, Potter's House in Cobblestone, and some other organizations to try to obtain funding to build approximately 100 units of very affordable rental housing, prices ranging from $350 for a one-bedroom to $575 for a four-bedroom house, along a month, along with doing a serious upgrade of the farm and building other buildings on the property to try to create a diverse, healthy community there that Potter's House was going to be kind of commissioned to work with to bring about the community aspect once the buildings are built, and a communities activities building and a processing center for Potter's House all on this 45 acres. The project was named Cobblestone Farm Community. The city miraculously, and it was miraculously, approved the annexation and rezoning in record time. I didn't think it would get done. And miraculously, it was funded to the tune of about $11 million. Costs a little bit more than that to do, but that's the most of the funding. And funding was obtained in 2020. The project was partially delayed by COVID, but it's still on track to be completed in two years. And I've asked Kelton Hayes, a New Heights member and the executive director of Cobblestone, the new executive director of Cobblestone, to come tell us about the progress on the farm side of this project and how you might get involved in the future. Kelton. Yeah, as Jim said, um, take your mask off. Jim told me backstage to take my mask off, but I'm really obedient, so I keep it on. <laughs> So as Jim said, I stepped on this year to lead the Cobblestone Project. But to clarify, I know nothing about the housing side of it. I don't know how to build a house. So I, I just over the farm side of it. So if you want to talk about farming, come talk to me. But Cobblestone has partnered with New Heights for the last 10 years and uh, has produced tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of pounds of produce and distributed it into the charitable food system through food banks and food pantries in northwest Arkansas. And uh, God has given me and my family a chance to step on and step in and continue that legacy. So we're going to continue to grow produce, but we're also going to start a livestock operation on the farm. Sheep, pigs, chickens, the whole, whole nine yards. Not, not quite going to do cattle. That's uh, a, little, a little more than I want to bite off. But uh, we want New Heights to be involved. We want the body 
to have hands on the ground or feet on the ground, hands in the dirt, so to speak, there on the property. And there's lots of ways that you can get involved. I'm actually going to be out there today if anybody wants to. <laughs> no, I'm not going to be out there today. No. Um, but, you know, as the season does start to turn a little warmer, there are always, always, always opportunities to come and serve. It doesn't matter what your skill set is. If you've never because if you've never been outside before to the, uh, to the fact that you're a fourth generation farmer, uh, there is ways you can serve. There's also ways you can invest. Obviously, we're a nonprofit and obviously we have um, a budget that we need to meet. So I um, would love to talk to you about that. But more practically, uh, we, we actually sell some of the produce that we grow through a, a, um, a harvest share box or a CSA, you may have heard it called. So we have some of those available uh, for this season. But We've got, been given a great opportunity to continue to uh, uh, deeper, deeper develop or develop deeper our relationship with the New Heights body through this project that Jim has uh, told you about. And we're just, we feel extremely blessed with the opportunity to, to do that because we know that, uh, you know, just as Jim was saying this morning, uh, service is a requirement of our faith and Jesus did not make it complicated. Jesus said, go and do likewise. And the thing that I love about that, that parable is that he didn't change that man's heart. He knew that by going and doing likewise, that would change that man's heart. Yeah. So a change of heart follows a change of action. Amen. Kelton's a doer like me. We like those kinds of statements. Just, I'm just very simple. Yeah, me too. And uh, he'll be at the table in the back. You're going to talk more about the project. And I'll be around if you want to talk about the housing uh, that's just getting started. It is a massive project. I'm incredibly just excited about the project and all that's going to happen on the end. Sean's here this morning. He'll be talking in a few minutes. You can talk to him about, uh, uh, I guess, their plans uh, to engage the people after we, uh, the house is built and people are occupying in a couple of years. Next person I've asked to come and share is Nellie Beal. Most of you may know Nellie. I want her, though, to introduce herself and tell a little bit about where she works and then about a couple of ministries that she's involved in. And at least one of those you're going to have an opportunity to maybe be involved in in the future. Nellie. Hi, New Heights. Uh, my name is Nellie Beal. And just a little bit about me. I am an immigrant from Malaysia, um, which is a Muslim country. And I moved here as a in my late teens, um, two weeks before 9-11, so it um, opened my eyes up real quick to life. Um, I am the Director of Compassion Ministry for New Heights, um, and then I'm also the Director of Human Resource and Payroll for Potter's House, and I'm the co-founder of Intersection NWA and co-founder for Healing Conversations, and so... It sounds like I have a full plate. <laughs> That's a lot of organizations. Tell us about Intersection. <laughs> okay. So Intersection started seven years ago. Um, just a few of us friends felt when we got together that we were just hanging out with our friend group and we were not really, inter- our lives weren't intersecting with people that we wanted to tangibly love and and learn from and not even just serve and learn, especially learn from. And so we um, started... Uh, serving dinner on a Thursday night seven years ago in May. May will be seven years um, at Genesis Church and started to make friends with a lot of our homeless and low-income community members um, 
Yeah. And so we've been out there. We've never missed a Thursday since May 21st of 2014. Wow. Um, wow. And we absolutely, it has been a blessing. We do not go out there to feel like we are saving anyone and, and help. You know, we go there and they bless us with their stories. But there were certain things that we really wanted to kind of lay down um, at the beginning of this ministry, which was we were not doing them a favor. We wanted to serve meals that we would serve to our friends that came to our homes. And so we're in some ways kind of picky with what we serve. Uh, we've partnered with Richard's Meat Market for four years now, and they've That's not been a bad amazing. deal. Yes, <laughs> and so, um, and also we... Um, what intersection looks like is building relationships. We have um, planned funerals, and we obviously have had um, some of our friends that have committed suicide. Um, and so it's not just feeding on a Thursday night and sitting and having a meal. Um, our mission statement is making friends, feeding lives, and loving as we're led to love. And so as long as opportunities come open, we... Um, just serve the best we can. And your team's been out this week trying to talk homeless folks into going to motels and you're paying yes. for the room and yeah. getting there and you had yes. some success doing that. Yes. Right? And so this week with the weather being the way it is, we've had actually um, taken several f- um, families and relocated um, into motels and some of it comes out from our budget and then some of it we use, uh, we partner with New beginnings in some of the organizations around here with, that have grants to to rehouse, and and some of our friends choose to stay in their campsites. And if that happens, we uh, we've I've actually gone to nine stores here buying survival blankets and hot hands, and a lot of them have our phone numbers. So if there's anything that comes up, they'll just give us a call. Tell us about Canopy and our relationship with Canopy. Yes, so Canopy is kind of new it's starting up I mean it's been around but with the um, change where they're gearing up to get more refugees in and so I'm the liaison for New Heights to Canopy and so right now we're just um, I'm building relationships with the leadership in Canopy to help New Heights know how to better serve um, Canopy and T- so tell them what Canopy is not everybody knows oh, that. Canopy is our uh, refugee resettlement nonprofit in Northwest Arkansas yeah. and they partner with Every like whoever that wants to partner with them um, to help settle resettle refugees that come into Northwest Arkansas, and so like we did a Christmas basket um, for the refugee families in New Heights provided gift cards this past Christmas, and we're also talking about um, assisting in different ways, uh, sponsor families. We're, we're not there yet, and as soon as I find out more. Okay. Um, we will keep everyone updated. All right. All right, let's give these guys a hand. I've got some more folks coming up. Most of you know that New Heights has three women's thrift stores in Fayetteville, Siloam, and Bentonville that use their profits to bless other Christian organizations focused on helping women and children worldwide. Like a lot of businesses and ministries, come on up, Diane. We had a tough 2020 due to COVID. (laughs) Uh, We're still having a rough go of it because of COVID. Beautiful Lives Boutique was founded by Melody Taylor, 
who is now serving in Africa. The current executive director is on stage with me. Most of you know Diane Higgins, and she's going to share with us more about Beautiful Lives Boutique, their ministry, and how you can get involved. Diane. Is that on? No, let's try another. You may have turned turned it off. Yeah, that one's hot. Thanks. Yeah, I couldn't let uh, Kelton top me because I got the cutest mask, so I had to wear it on up here. <laughs> Thank you for having me, Jim. Uh, this is a, a wonderful service to have. I love to see how New Heights uh, really does love people tangibly in our community, and that's one reason we love this church so much. So it's been really fun to be part of uh, BLB, uh, Beautiful Lives Boutique. Um, We are actually a marketplace ministry, and we use upscale thrift with the boutique experience to bring hope to women and children facing crisis, both locally and nationally. Um, our tagline is to lift women and mend community, and so that's our goal and our vision. Uh, so what we do is we take beautiful donated items and we curate them as upscale thrift, and we use that as an actual ministry in the community. And so um, when people bring their items, uh, we, we sort through them, we clean them up, we, we, we merchandise everything beautifully. When you go into the store, you won't think it's a thrift boutique. It's, it's lovely. And um, so that positions us to be a blessing to everyone that comes into the store. Um, we often have ministry opportunities. Uh, the people that work there are believers, and we have an opportunity to um, help people sometimes are in crisis situations when they come in. Um, they might have a need, their house burned, or they might have a need for clothing for some reason, or they might just have a need for someone to pray with them. And we do an awful lot of that. And so um, we, we have a great time uh, sorting through all the beautiful things that are donated to us. And uh, it's really a sweet place to be. And the Lord's presence is very heavy there. Um, we often also um, are able to, um, as, as people bring their clothing in, sometimes they um, have a story that they'll share with us um, and they'll, they'll um, be ministered to just when they come to bring their clothes to donate. So it's really a blessing. Um, collectively, as an organization, we support 10 nonprofit ministries. Um, six are local and four are national. And these are our ministries that we support. Um, We have started something new this year where we have a partner of the month, and for January, it was Hub of Hope uh, because uh, January was Human Trafficking Awareness Month, and uh, so we we highlighted them in our stores. We did a couple of Zoom calls where uh, people learned uh, more about Hub of Hope and their, their work here. Uh, they're local here in Northwest Arkansas, and they bring hope and opportunity to people who are facing have been involved in human trafficking. So it's an amazing organization. We were able to raise a lot of extra funds for them this month. And so next month, uh, we've got Diva and Dude uh, out of Rogers, and they uh, they help uh, support women in crisis and, and help them get back on their feet. Uh, a lot of times they'll have emergencies, you know, get somebody in a hotel, um, and, and take care of them from there. And so you're going to want to jump into our fun uh, silent auction that just started today uh, that's uh, online and in the stores, and you can participate in that. We've got a lot of fun uh, 
donations from the community that uh, you can bid on and, and help raise funds for Diva and Dude. So, getting involved, how can women get involved? Well, there are several ways to get involved. Uh, uh-huh. Number one, you can come shop with us. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, it, we always have uh, fun events going on, sales. Uh, yesterday was Valentine's Day. We did really well, like double what we normally do on a Saturday. Um, well, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. You can shop online. Um, we, you can shop, it's shop. Fayetteville, BL, no, shop BLB Fayetteville or shop BLB Bentonville. We have drops every day, so we've always got new merchandise online. Uh, we've just started shipping again if you need that, uh, or you can come to the store and pick up your clothes. Um, also, you can donate clothing and shoes and jewelry. We only take women's clothing, no kids' or men's clothing. Um, and so it, it, when you donate, um, that it's a donation with a purpose. So instead of uh, just, you know, giving your clothes away and you never know what's happened, this, uh, this will bless you to know that you have actually helped women in the community as we um, give to these nonprofits. And we also have volunteer opportunities in the store. Uh, lots of different kinds of volunteering, uh, but it goes on every day. Our, our volunteer coordinator, Dana Fields, uh, is, is a member here. Uh, she's, we, we know her as the coffee lady. You probably know Dana. But uh, she does a great job of mobilizing our volunteers. We have college kids, high school kids, ladies of all ages. Now and then we'll have a guy, um, but it's, it's a great place to come and, and serve. And uh, we have one lady in... Uh, the Bentonville store that's a mom. She also teaches at Bentonville High School, and she loves it so much. She, she volunteers regularly and says it's her happy place because, uh, yeah, it's been a hard year for teaching, as you know, and so she comes there, and she, uh, she does uh, wonderful work and gets loved on, and she, she can't wait to come back, so it's a blessing for her there. And then, uh, thirdly, you can pray for us. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a really hard year, as Jim said, uh, just financially with COVID, and we had to shut down stores, and we went online. We, we, that was a miracle from the hand of God. Yeah. Uh, in 48 hours, we, went, we didn't have online before, <clears throat> and uh, when uh, COVID shut everything down, we quickly pivoted and <clears throat> started our online stores, and so that was able to help keep us afloat. All right, let's give Diane a hand. I'm going to say a quick prayer for her. She goes off and my next group comes on. Thank you, Gail. Lord Jesus, bless Beautiful Lives Boutique. Bless what Diane and others are putting their hand to and cause it to prosper so that we might be a blessing to these other organizations that are trying to do good in your name as well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. All right, I've got a group of four coming up and they're going to be brief. I'm going to, aren't you, Nathan? Uh, I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask them to share less than two minutes about the organizations that I've asked them to share about. And first one is Nathan Allen. And most of you know that we had started two COVID relief funds right after COVID hit. It was clear that not only we were we were going to be struggling in Northwest Arkansas, people were going to be losing their jobs. There was going to be food insecurity and lots of problems, but worldwide, it's much, much, much worse. And we have an international COVID relief run. I don't know the dollar figures that have been given to it. It's multiple thousands of dollars that you all have given. And I wanted Nathan to share at least one story uh, of somebody that was blessed through the fund. So, Nathan. 
Yeah, around the world, because of this global pandemic, uh, it was much more severe in the third world. They, most people in the world today live hand to mouth. And so if their country's going on lockdown, people are not eating. And so our workers are, uh, started messaging us saying, hey, we have extra needs to help our people who are really suffering right now. And so uh, people started donating. I honestly can't remember if it was New Heights people who gave first or us asking, hey, could you give to this? Because it just started coming in so quick. And uh, we started blessing our workers around the world when they and had a need. So our church plants in Albania got to serve people who are on lockdown and they got favor with the government when they were... Guys, we, we were struggling with our lockdown. Most places around the world, there are tanks in streets and guys with guns saying, you can't leave your house. Uh, and so, but most of our workers in Albania and Jordan got favor in the government because they're giving food to people who need it. Uh, we're able to bless them, give them tons of money so that they can just buy things that people need. Also, their local businesses, there's a bakery in Jordan that, uh, man, they're not selling their bread. Well, they're buying all their bread and go giving it out. So they're also helping those businesses. So really, really great things that happen in specific Specifically, uh, our workers in Thailand have been trying to minister to an unreached people group in the South uh, that have no church plant, have no church organization, and they've been going and doing trips, uh, and, and they're suffering as well. And this is a great opportunity for them to have and bless them with food. And so they had a whole trip. Uh, the Fultz brought their kids and all sorts of workers and were able to donate lots of food to help people. And so just thank you to New Heights for blessing that. Uh, there was needs in Northwest Arkansas, definitely, but there's needs around the world, and we were able to help that. And not only did we serve people in need, but our workers, our global workers around the world have more influence with people that they're trying to minister to because of this opportunity. That's one great thing that COVID actually brought to the world. So thank you so much. Thank you for giving. David Blake, tell us about Furniture Friends. Uh, yeah, my name's David and um, I'm just a regular guy. I'm a volunteer uh, at Furniture Friends. Former FBI. But it- <laughs> I, I now crawl around in houses as a home inspector. <laughs> the, the mission statement for Furniture Friends is making disciples among the unreached living in Northwest Arkansas. We holistically serve refugees, international students, economic immigrants who have come to Northwest Arkansas. We minister by meeting a variety of physical needs, primarily through uh, providing furniture and looking for opportunities to start Bible studies in homes with those who are spiritually interested. Um, some ways that you can get involved, obviously, to, to provide furniture uh, for those in need. We need furniture. Um, you can go to furniturefriends.co and everything, all the different ways you can get involved. Uh, there are tabs and links there to get involved, uh, whether it be donating. And if you, if you donate furniture, Furniture Friends is going to pick that furniture up for you. Uh, you don't have to bring it. We'll pick it up for you. You can obviously, we need, we need uh, donations of money. So money, uh, we, need, we need people like myself that uh, uh, have a vehicle or are willing to move furniture and, and bless people by doing that. So we need volunteers. And probably most importantly, we need people to be friends with the, uh, with the international community that's coming to Northwest Arkansas. Um, uh, as you would probably imagine, I mean, most of the people we serve, if not all, um, they don't know Jesus. And it's an opportunity uh, to, to share this blessed hope that, that inspires us and, and uh, 
why we do what we do. And, um, you know, personally, I, uh, Jesus has, has, has been my Savior for many years, but he hasn't always been my Lord. And, uh, and that's a work in process still. But as I do that, you know, I've struggled with the last couple of years with a, with a couple of paradigms that, uh, that I challenge you with. Um, one is, if, if not me, then who? And if not when, if not now, then when? And just recently I heard a statement that a man wrestled with for many years when he heard the statement, why should anyone hear the gospel twice before everybody hears it once? And uh, that that's motivates me to do what, what I do and be a blessing. So I encourage you to uh, take that challenge and uh, go to furniturefriends.co. All right. Let's give David and Nathan a hand. Y'all go ahead. You got a mic? Is that one working? Yep. All right. Brad Dutton's going to tell us. I don't know how much you all have given to this local COVID relief line. I know it's over 50000 somewhere between fifty dollars and $75,000. And we've been trying to give it away a lot over the last few months. We've given, I don't know how much we've given away, but most of it. And he's going to tell a couple of quick stories of just the way the money was used that you all gave to this local COVID relief line. Brad. Yeah, that's right, Jim. You know, there are a number of stories that we could tell. I, I thought I'd just tell the most recent one. A couple of weeks ago, uh, I, got a, I got a message uh, from a person who's a part of New Heights Church uh, asking for, for some help, for some relief. So, so normally what will happen is I'll reach out to this person, hear about their situation, hear about their condition. And the first questions I always ask are, do you have food for today? Do you have a place to sleep tonight? And once we kind of triage that and realize where their needs are, uh, just start to hear their story. And this person has been, like I said, has been a part of our church for, for a number of years. And uh, what, because of COVID, was laid off in the spring, early summer. And by the time they reached out to us for assistance, their, their unemployment uh, benefits had been almost exhausted. And they uh, had just kind of starting to get back on their feet, had uh, secured a part-time job, but were just kind of in between uh, pay periods and, and their mortgage was coming due. There was a number of bills coming due. And so because of the, the generosity of this church, Jim, we were able to help pay for this person's mortgage bill. Uh, we were able to help pay for uh, counseling fees associated with just everything that's going on with their life. They were, we were able to help pay for some utility payments. And then in God's good, good provision, we're able to get their heater fixed before all of this cold snap actually happened. That's really important today. Yeah, that's right. That's right. All right. Charity, talk to us about Belong Ministry. Yeah, Belong Ministry is tangible love for our foster and adoptive families here at New Heights. Um, like so many of the ministries we've celebrated this morning, um, it's the gospel with hands and feet, the same gospel that made us a part of the family of Christ when we were orphans. And for so many of us, um, we're not called necessarily to open our homes for foster and adoption, but the Bible does command each of us to be uh, going about the work of caring for the orphans and the widows. So if you can't open your home, you can certainly support a family who does, make them capable of keeping their homes open, make sure that they can stay in the game. And you can do that by providing respite and rest for them. You can provide meals for them. You can really get to know them and know how you can pray for them. 
because so many times these stories are private. You're not gonna see the joys and struggles of raising these kids posted on your social media. These families need you to really press in. And I wanna share a story of what that looks like for one of our current foster families. She said, our first month of foster care was so difficult. Not only were we first-time foster parents, but we were also first-time parents and first-time business owners. Our community group and our church family blessed us so much with prayers and meals and supplies those first few weeks when we were anxious and sleep-deprived. But one of the biggest blessings was Belong Ministries Parent Night Out. We got to go on our first date post-kids and spend some much-needed time together. Plus, our girls absolutely loved it. They had so much fun doing crafts and watching movies and eating pizza. We were so grateful for the volunteers who loved our family and made that happen. So we're not all called to do everything, but we were all created for something. And if you think that belong might be your something, you can let us know that you're interested by going to newheightschurch.com slash belong. All right, thanks guys. Let's give them a hand. I'm gonna touch on a few other ministries and then Sean's gonna come here in just a few minutes and share with you about Potter's House. But let me touch on one you may not be aware of. I'm reluctant to do this because we might get overwhelmed with requests. But we have something called Potter's House Justice Center. It's kind of an in-house legal aid that we get to decide. We only have limited number of people we can help. Two-thirds of the funding is from New Heights, a third's from Potter's House. It provides legal assistance to a limited number of people associated with either Potter's House or New Heights in some way. I want to give you two cases, just a few sentences about them from last year that'll give you an idea of what we do there. Uh, Wes Doss and his team, Wes is an attorney, a friend of mine, have helped people in tangible ways. I referred a single mom who was been born and raised in South Fayetteville, who was being wrongfully evicted. I determined it was a wrongful eviction from her apartment. And I asked Wes to defend her, and he did. And he kept her and her daughter in her home. That's not a big deal to us, but it was a big deal to her. Uh, In another case, this is a little more interesting, has a little more intrigue to it. One of our community group leaders who happens to be an attorney referred an Afghan young man whose brother had been executed by the Taliban. He and his family were here as refugees. He was very wrongfully charged with a felony for something he was clearly not guilty of. If he had been convicted, he would have been deported back to Afghanistan and most likely executed by the Taliban. That's not an exaggeration. West vigorously defended him and succeeded in getting the charges reduced to disorderly conduct. The young man refused to plead guilty to anything because he didn't feel like he did anything wrong, and he pled no contest, and his record was expunged even of the disorderly conduct, which is a misdemeanor. He'll be able to finish college and become a productive American citizen. Uh, Support of other local food pantries and similar ministries. We provide monthly financial support to Genesis Church Food Pantry. This is where your money goes. To St. James Food Pantry, to Life Source, and to South Church. We also have a general benevolence fund, which gives away about fifty to $60,000 a year to members of the church who are in need. That's in addition to those COVID relief funds. We have lots of other ministries that minister to individuals in the community, including subsidized counseling at the Joshua Center, a public prayer room and a prayer hotline that are open to the general public. You pay the rent and you pay the staff salary of Dennis Peterson. And many of you volunteer there and minister daily to people who have all kinds of prayer and counseling needs and refer them to other minister, 
or other kinds of tangible help. If you want to volunteer, come see me or see Dennis. Now, Potter's house. Sean, head this way, please. One person who, along with his wife, Anita, have spent all of their adult life ministering to people and who have met tangible needs in people in Fayetteville is Sean Schwartzman. I've asked him to come up here and share with us the history of Potter's House and some of their ministries and how you can get involved in what they're doing. Then he's going to close us out and move to our time of worship and prayer and communion. Sean, it's up to you. Thank you. Good morning, New Heights. Uh, this is a picture of my family uh, up here. This is, this is the crew. There's uh, Tiffany, her boyfriend, two kiddos, Cordarius, his wife, their child, twins, Danica and Denisha, Solomon, uh, Eli, and Mia. And yes, there's something mysterious. There's something beautiful about that. You don't have to tell my wife and I, we realize we have a child that's pretty much the same age as grandchildren. So we get it. We know we'll be going to kindergarten graduations the same time we're going to high school or college graduations. That's just a part of what we're going to be walking through. Uh, we've worked at Potter's House for about 23 years. And um, just a little bit of the history with Potter's House and New Heights and the relationship there. Potter's House was just kind of a ragtag group of folks for about seven years. There was no staff. There was no real structure. Seven years into that, uh, Jim and I had a great relationship. He discipled me when I first came to know Jesus. And uh, New Heights was an early, early growing in, in church years. And they said, hey, how about you come on staff and Potter's House come underneath the umbrella of New Heights, which was an incredible blessing. And it was something that has fueled and has created and pushed Potter's House to who we are to this day. And uh, about seven years into that, we kind of decided, hey, let's let Potter's House spin out into its own nonprofit. So we have, we have since done that. We're our own nonprofit. We obviously, I'm standing here, we have a very unique and really sweet relationship uh, with New Heights that, that continues to this day. So what is Potter's House? Uh, we're a bridge uh, to strengthen communities across socioeconomic and ethnic lines. Uh, what's the problem that we see in our community and other communities? Uh, we think we're divided. Uh, we think we're fractured. And, and mainly we think we're fractured across socioeconomic and ethnic lines. We, we think for the most part, we don't tend to relate to people that are different than us. We tend to have relationships with people who are very similar in skin color, socioeconomic status with one another, and that creates dramatic problems. So what do we want to see happen? Man, we want to see a community that lives life together. We want to see common places that people would love to gather with a really diverse group of people, build healthy, long-term relationships, and we think Jesus is right in the middle of that. And wonderful things happen when when that does occur. So that's, that's what we're working towards. That's what we've been working towards. What does that look like? Potter's House, we have a preschool. Uh, we have small groups with a little bit over 100 kids involved. We have an adult program uh, that there's multiple classes and, and things going on. We have three thrift stores. We have about uh, 100 employees total. So with all those things, we're working to bring people together across those two lines. 
Uh, this morning, we've talked about a lot of stuff. And we've talked about some unbelievable works that's going on as a part of the New Heights family. And what I'd say is, man, what a blessing to be a part of a church that is involved in this type of stuff. It's, it's awesome. I love hearing about these things. Um, one of the things that, that I would say is two things just leaving this room. It's a lot to take in. And so, you know, like Kelton said, I, I'm pretty simple also. So let's just make it simple. Uh, two things to leave, learn and act. Two things to leave here, learn and act. First one, the learn. Uh, when serving, and, and especially in a lot of the stuff we talked about this morning, we talked about a lot of marginalized, low-income families. And so what I'd say is when serving in an area where there's a lot of marginalized or there's low-income families, I think there's a very fine line between doing it in a healthy way and doing it in a potentially harmful way. And, and we'll get into that just a little bit, but first I wanna look at a passage. And this is in uh, Luke 21, one through four. Jesus looked up and saw the rich putting their gifts into the offering box. And he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. There's obviously giving principles here. There's obviously thoughts about giving and, and that's legitimate. What I would hate for us to miss is the reality that this woman had an incredible, deep, abiding faith. To have almost nothing and be willing to take all that she had and give it to the Lord takes an unbelievable faith to say, I'm not sure maybe where I'm sleeping tonight. I'm not sure where my next meal's coming from. I'm not sure if I have money for a next pair of shoes, yet I'm gonna give all I have here. And so if we miss that when we see this, I also don't want us to miss that whenever we serve in communities of low income or, or marginalized folks. And so, um, for example, when we're serving, um, sometimes what can creep in is the poor need us for food. They need us for physical provisions. They need to learn from us. They need to understand life. We may think that they're not as driven as we are for some reason. And the most difficult that can creep in is maybe, hey, because of their financial situation, they don't know Jesus or know Jesus that well. And I would challenge us in that thinking, especially from this passage. Example, you serve at South Church, you serve at Intersection. Do you go with a mentality to say, I want to hear about the deep faith of somebody I'm about to sit down and have a meal with. I want to see how God has worked tremendously in their life and hear their faith stories um, in a similar way. When we send teenagers overseas on mission trips, are we telling them, hey, you're bringing Jesus? Or are we saying, hey, go and learn from this community? Years ago, we took a, a group of teenagers from Potter's House and we went to Guatemala and we helped build the foundation of a church building. And a couple of days into it, the pastor called us in and that evening we had a meal. 
And it was a couple pieces of chicken and a little bit of sides. And uh, we later found out it was a month of his salary to provide this meal for us. God, we're missing it if we don't realize the absolute godly hospitality and faith and generosity that we can learn there as opposed to going, hey, we're doing this great thing for you. Here, we're bringing all this. No, no, no. Man, we learned so much from this pastor there with what he was doing. Sometimes I think we want to bring our kids to really good things or our families. My my family would agree. And we say, hey, I want my kids to be involved. I want my family to be involved so they can see how fortunate they are. I would challenge us on this type of mentality because what that says is, hey, the people that we're serving, the best thing they've got to offer is their lack of. The best thing they can teach our kids and our families is what they don't have. As opposed, hey, I want my kids to be involved in a diverse community. I want my kids to go serve at intersection and I want them to sit there and I want them to learn from a group of people that probably know and see and love Jesus in a completely different way. And they can provide all kinds of things to my wife and my kids as they do that. So that's the first thing, learn. Second is act. This is a quick one. Uh, Jim and I, at the beginning of Potter's House, I'm a couple months in, maybe a year into my relationship with Jesus. We're doing this study. It's called Experiencing God. And, and there was one principle that really kind of drove Potter's House starting. And it was in this book. And it said, do not look and ask, what's the specific work that God has for me? And wait and pray and look and just and hesitate and go, hey, what's the one thing? But he said, just look and see where God's at work and go join him. Just figure out where God's doing something and go get involved. And that was my wife and I's uh, thought as we got involved in South Church, South Fayetteville, Potter's House at the time. So that's my encouragement as we go from here. You've just seen a lot of ways that God's working. So don't wait, hey, what's the specific thing for me that meets my unique skill set and this? See where God's at work and go join God. There's no no downside there. You're getting involved with where God's at work. So you work alongside of him. I'm gonna pray. Father, thanks. Thanks for what you're doing. Uh, Thanks that uh, we do not look to take any credit. We do not look to... Uh, see praise for us in any way. Uh, We're merely trying to um, focus uh, the attention on the one who deserves it all. We are screaming that we've got a God who loves his people and uh, is evident in his people. God, I pray that uh, from here, we would see where you're working and we'd get involved and we'd get involved in such a way that would bring dignity and life to all involved. So God, thank you for this church. I pray that uh, the things that we heard here and some obviously that wasn't even spoken about, I pray that in the next year, five years, 10 years, and 50 years of this church, these types of works would continue to expand to bring you glory that the world would look and see our good deeds 
and praise our Father in heaven.